It's good to be with you. Driving over here from Charlotte, was thinking about my mom. And Lord, Lord called her home. She was in her early 50s, and now that I'm old, it just seems uh, like I miss so much as an adult. But, you know, he has his plan. It's good. And she was a wonderful mom and uh, taught me a lot of things. And a lot of my illustrations over the years have come from my relationship with her and my dad and uh, that sort of thing. I, I don't want to bore you with some of those stories right now, but uh, maybe, who knows, I might be led to share one of those as we go through. But anyway, I want you to picture a Christian school, and all the kids are in the cafeteria line, and um, as they go through the line, they notice a big pile of apples right in the front at the beginning of the line, and a teacher had posted a note on the apples it said, take only one apple, God is watching. This is a Christian school. So, so you go through the line, and at the end of the line, there's a big plate of chocolate chip cookies. And one of the students had put a note on the chocolate chip cookies that said, take all the cookies you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> I mean... Is God, is God only concerned about the laws that, that, that affect the apples? Surely he doesn't notice, notice if I take a few more cookies than I should. You know, I mean, I can understand how God can punish and discipline drug dealers and uh, politicians who don't do what they say and create all kinds of havoc. And I can understand why he would punish and discipline murderers Thieves, child molesters, rapists. I can understand that. But I mean, surely there's no consequences for not forgiving my mother or my dad. Surely there are no consequences for little things, patterns that I develop of being impatient with my wife or my sister or my brother or whatever. Surely there's no consequences for valuing material things over Christ himself. Surely surely little things like this don't deserve any consequences. After all, I just slipped into a pattern of lust. I just slipped into a pattern of apathy toward God. My heart's cold. That's just the way I am. Surely there are no consequences. Our scripture reading this morning is from Deuteronomy. I'm going to read the scripture as we go through the sermon because it is a little bit long, but I'll read sections of it in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the word of God. The word Deuteronomy means second record, or it's basically three messages that Moses gives to remind the people of all that God did in Exodus and how he led them out of slavery to Egypt and how he blessed them and how their shoes didn't even wear out as they went for 40 years. I don't know about you, but I'm wearing some shoes that I've only had about five, and they're almost gone. God was good to them, even though times were hard for them. And so Deuteronomy is a second reading, so to speak, or second experience of all that happened in, in Exodus. And the one thing that's clear is that there were serious consequences to a pattern that we've described of disobedience to the Lord. In chapter 30, 
which is our scripture, they were on the verge of entering the land and God had promised them. This was like Disney World compared to what they had been through. And surely when they got into that land, they would be faithful to the Lord and they would always love him and always serve him. Well, the truth is that this whole message is a prophecy that they wouldn't. That they would get back into a pattern of not honoring their mother and father. Children would stop obeying their parents. Children would start disrespecting again uh, authority. There'd be patterns of immorality. There would be sin. And, 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 and he's warning them ahead of time, this is going to happen to you, my dear Israelite people. And so it did. It happened. 17, I mean, excuse me, 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in and took over, took over Israelite in their land, the promised land. And the Babylonians in 586 B.C. crushed Israel and those left were taken as captives. Why? Because the Lord had warned them that he wants them to, to love him. All he asked them to do was to love him and do what he asked them to do. And he would take care of the rest. That's our covenant theology. God has consequences for us, men and women, children, boys and girls. But it's not because he wants to be the big boss or the bad guy. It's because he loves us. And he knows if we go the wrong way, we're going to lose the joy that he meant us to have as we live life. He knew that. And so he prophesied, Moses prophesied, the Lord spoke through him about this. But the good news is coming up, and that is that there's a way back. There's a way back for every one of us, no matter our age. Whether we're five years old and and stole all the cookies in the cookie jar, or whether we're 80 years old and we've never repented of anything. Like some people may have said they have never done anything wrong. So what I want to say is that the, in this scripture, Deuteronomy 30, coming back involves four things. It involves our heart. It involves the promises of God. It is accessible to everyone, and it's a clear choice that we make. First of all, the way back involves our heart. Look at Deuteronomy 30, chapter, um, chapter 1, verse 30. Chapter 30, verse 1. I'll get it straight in a minute. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come upon you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. And we'll have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. You see, he says, take to heart the blessings I've given you. If you want to come back and be strong in your relationship with the Lord, that coldness go away, take to heart the blessings and the curses. What about the blessings of the Lord? Man, he blessed them, didn't he? He blessed them. He gave them water when they didn't have any he protected them from snake bites. He, he was present with them 
He blessed them so many ways. And he, Moses is saying, look, take to heart all of these things the Lord's done. Don't let them just pass over and forget. Forget them. I was one day, by the way, I struggle with coldness of heart toward the Lord. I don't know if anybody else ever does that or not, but I do. And you would think, you know, after so many years, I would never struggle with that, but I do. And one day as I was struggling with that, the Lord impressed this on me. Make a list of all the blessings he's done for you, all the good things he's done for you. And I did. I said, okay, Lord, I only got 15 minutes. That's really impressive, isn't it? And so I listed the blessings. There's 124 that I did in 15 minutes. Can you take a minute and just think about all the good things God's done for you? And, and this is Mother's Day, so I would suggest that you make a list of the way God has blessed you through your mother. And, and you might be surprised at how long it takes you to do that. But we need to take to heart the things God has done for us and not take them for granted. His grace, His mercy and forgiveness, and on and on and on. And we need to take to heart the curses. What he says, well, there were curses early in Deuteronomy. They, were, they, they went up on a mountain and God said, I want you to announce the curses. And one of them was, cursed is every man who dishonors his mother and his father. Whoa, Lord. And you see what happened was as they began to do these things, the Lord in his compassion to bring them back disciplined them and sent them into nations all over the world. But he said, if you'll take to heart the discipline I'm, I'm giving to you now and the blessings I've given to you, then I will bring you back. I'll gather you from the farthest part. See, sin and coldness toward God short circuits not our relationship with God. He never leaves us. But it short circuits our fellowship with him. It's like, it's like an um, appliance. Have you ever tripped over the cord of an appliance? What happens? Well, it pulls it out of the power socket, and it, and it stops. Hopefully you didn't do that to something like a toaster and it fell on top of you or something. But uh, what, what do you do? Do you throw the appliance away? No. You just plug it back into the power source. And when we confess the wrong in our lives when we turn to the Lord with those things and repent, it plugs that power source back into our lives. You know, sometimes we think of sin, though, as just murder, and like I said earlier, stealing, being a chronic liar, you know, and all of these things, and we don't do that, we say. But in Deuteronomy 29, 19, the chapter right before, sin is described as just going our own way rather than God's way. Well, I just go, I just do it my way. As the old song with Frank Sinatra, those of you over 60 remember, I do it, I did it my way. That's sin. That's a pattern of sin. We do it God's way, and that's what we need to acknowledge. We're sanctified sinners in the church, you and I, You know, uh, we need to take it to heart 
And look at verse 2. It says, when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, I will restore your fortunes. Children, that's to you. That's to you as well as your parents. God speaks to you. He's concerned about our families. Take it to heart. I, I read the story, true story, of a Jewish little boy living in a small Polish village during World War II. His parents and their Jewish friends were all condemned to die by the Nazis as they came into this village. And so they were forced to dig their graves, stand in front of their graves while they were machine gunned down and would fall into their graves. And it happened. And as he was standing there, falling into the grave, some, for some reason, the bullets did not hit him. And everybody fell into the grave and his parents' blood was spattered all over him. And they covered up these shallow graves. And this young boy clawed his way out after about an hour when he knew no one was there. And he started going to, to homes in this little Polish village and most of the people were Christians. And he went to the first home and he, his clothes were all ripped off of him by the bullets and, and he was dirty and blood-stained and naked. And he, 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 they would open the door and, and then just close it really fast because they'd say, you're one of those condemned kids. I can't have anything to do with you. Went to another door, same thing happened over and over. And finally... He came to one door, and for a little Jewish boy, he said something really unusual. He just screamed when they opened the door. He just screamed out, don't you recognize me? I am the Jesus that you say you love. And the mother who opened that door was just totally overwhelmed, and she threw her arms around and kissed this little Jewish boy. And she adopted him into her family. And she says she accepted the boy and he changed the life of their family. And she says, I don't share this to elicit praise, but to tell other people how much joy he has brought to our family over the years. That is heartfelt love for the Lord and his commandments. Look at the character of God when your love grows cold. Look at his character. Think again, as was so eloquently said in our worship this morning, how much he loves you that he would go to a cross and be nailed on a cross and take the death penalty for our sins. God would do that in human flesh. When we see his patience in staying with us over the years when we continue in patterns that are not good, we see his power to heal and to restore life. We see that he's the one who started this relationship with us. It wasn't us. It was our creator who started this relationship with us. When we see these things, then we will begin to love him again and want to obey him. And we, will we do it perfectly? Never. But we can do it wholeheartedly. And that's what he asks us to do. So that's the first way back is to deal with your heart and the blessings and the discipline the Lord brings into your life. Secondly, the way back involves his promises that we need to rest on. Look at uh, verses 3 through 9 here. Let's read this. 
together in Deuteronomy 30, verses 3 through 9. He says this, Then the Lord your God will restore, restore your fortunes. He will have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens. From there, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers and will take possession of it. You will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you, and you will again obey the Lord and follow all his commandments. And Then the Lord your God will make you the most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous. The Lord's wills. I will restore your fortunes. I will have compassion on you. I will gather you back no matter how far you've gone. I will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your children. I will discipline your enemies and I will make you prosperous in childbearing and in the work of your hands and in livestock and your businesses. And obviously the Lord does this. It's not something we can do ourselves. He can use us. But this is what he does. And he takes it a step further when he says, no matter how far you've been banished and scattered, even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. It doesn't matter how far you wandered. If you're still here, it doesn't matter what pattern of, of sin or lack of love for the Lord you've, you've developed. It doesn't matter. He says he'll bring you from the farthest distance possible. I, I was thinking about that and I googled the worst criminal who's ever become a Christian. I don't know how I worded it, but somehow I got through to Google, whoever that is. And he told me that in 1992, in a prison in Portage, Wisconsin, the prison called a preacher nearby and said, that a prisoner wanted to be baptized. And so this preacher was reluctant. He'd never been to a prison, and he went. And the um, foreman of the prison introduced him to a man named Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, he was kind of shocked because he had read that Jeffrey Dahmer was a serial murderer who was serving 16 consecutive life sentences. That's a pretty good way to start in a prison ministry, right? So he was supposed to baptize Jeffrey Dahmer. So what he did was he started, a, and the guy's name was Reverend Roy Radcliffe. And so he started a Bible study every week with Jeffrey Dahmer for eight months. Studied the Bible for an hour every week. And Jeffrey Dahmer professed his faith in Jesus and, he, and, and Reverend Radcliffe quotes Dahmer as saying things like, I am the worst sinner there's ever been. And he said, I'm so sorry for what I've done. God help me, I will never do that again. He also said, I should have been put to death by the state. 
And he also asked this question to Reverend Radcliffe. He said, is there heaven for me? Five days later, he was, he was killed by, by a, uh, a jailmate. Five days later. Was he sincere? I don't know. Reverend Radcliffe said he's as sincere as anybody he's ever known. You see, it doesn't matter how far I thought about you and I thought about me and how I struggle with sin and, and how the thief on the cross, Jesus forgave him in the last moments of his life. What a gracious God we have. It says that he will, all these I wills, I will gather you back no matter how far you've gone. I will circumcise your heart. Well, I had to think about that one a while. I have had heart surgery, but uh, maybe that was part of it. But you know what? It says, I will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your children or your descendants. Covenant, covenant thinking here. What a, what a, what a responsibility is that we come to the Lord and be close to the Lord because he promises to circumcise our hearts Cut away all that coldness. Cut away all, all the, you know, the stuff, and and that of our children. So if we, he promises to work with our children. If we'll make sure we love him and are walking with him and not in a pattern of disobedience to him, and I'm not talking about perfection. We'll we'll never get there. I'm talking about wholehearted. That's all I'm talking. The way back, thirdly, is not only involves our heart and it involves the promises of God of all the things he'll do, it involves and is accessible to all of us. Verse 11, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. I had a, before I had a GPS, I was going to play golf one day and, and uh, it was at Stonebridge Golf Course south of Charlotte. I don't know if anybody's ever been there or not, but it's sort of out there. And he gave me directions. He said, you know, you go to the first roundabout, you take the second left, <clears throat> you follow me now, you go past about three miles and then you'll see a kangaroo, a red kangaroo in front of a grocery store and you turn left. And you go a half a block and turn right and then you go three miles and you see an Exxon station and then you go to the left at that station, and then double back. You know what? I made it. I actually made it. But then I had to come home. And so everything was backwards. I had a little map and words and everything. So instead of turning left at the kangaroo station, I had to turn right. Instead of, you know, going a half mile in this direction, I finally found myself thinking I was going back to Charlotte and I was actually going to Columbia. And, and then an hour later, I finally got those 12 miles back to my house. And that's what we think about when we think about God and coming back to him. But he says right here, it's not too difficult. And the word difficult means can mean not too mysterious. It's not too hard to understand. He's made it accessible to everyone. He just wants us. He wants us to come to him and come back to him. He wants to restore us. 
And then lastly, not only is it accessible to us, it's a clear choice that we make. Look at verses 15 through 20. I'm going to kind of summarize. But he said, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Life and prosperity, death and destruction. And then in verse 19b, he says, now choose life so that you, here it is again, and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Again, our walk affects those around us, our children. And he promises here that we should choose life. He, he makes that challenge to you and me this morning. And he says it's not a hard decision. We were in a Bible study, my wife and I, and our group couldn't decide what to study. I don't know if you've ever been in a group like this. So one wanted to study Galatians, one wanted to study Ephesians, you know, big decisions. So we wrestled with it, and man, the Galatians people were really passionate. And the Romans people, did I say Romans? They were really passionate too. And we couldn't agree. So finally somebody said, well, let's do it the biblical way. Let's cast lots. Let's flip a coin. So we're all standing around, Romans people, Galatians people. Here we go. What do you think happened? Heads, Galatians, tails, Romans. The coin stuck in the carpet straight up and down. Neither Galatians or Romans. Lord has a sense of humor. We even prayed about it that he would guide us. Some decisions are hard, but this decision is easy to turn to the Lord. That's what I'm saying. You choose life or you choose death. I mean, which do you want? But why do people choose death every day? Why? If the Lord promises life, I think there are a couple of reasons. One, people think they're the master of their life, the master of their faith. Mankind determines what happens in his life, not God. And then secondly, nothing bad will happen to me. And yet the Lord lists all these consequences. Or maybe we don't believe God is really good. These false views ignore every warning of Scripture, yet so many people make the decision not to choose life based on tragically incomplete information. We do choose life. Why do we choose life? Why? Verse 19, the last part of that verse. Because the Lord is your life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He loves us. He calls us to himself. He gives us faith to trust in Jesus. If you lack faith, ask him for it. He gives us that faith, faith that his death on the cross forgives our sins. The Lord is our life. Like his, his disciples said, Lord, where else can we go? There's life only in you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning that 
you have made a way back no matter if we've wandered through a pattern of, I don't know, just small things that have separated us from you in our fellowship. Dear God, forgive us. Bring us back. Help moms and dads to to be strong and to admit when they're wrong and go to their children and say, I was wrong. Lord, help us who are older not to hold grudges toward our parents for their imperfections and restore us to fellowship with you, dear God, and and gather us to yourself again and and, and renew that cold, that, that warmness and that love we have for you at the beginning. As the anthem said this morning, we remember the day we were saved or the year we were saved or whatever, but help us to take to heart these things and thank you that you are our life now and forever. Thank you this morning, Lord. We want Christ to be the center of our thoughts as we go into the rest of this day and celebrate the wonderful blessings through our moms that you brought into our lives. And we pray these things and ask you to do them and help us to make that decision, that clear choice to choose life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.